0: To begin today, I want to ask you a question. What is the most common word in the English language? Anybody? All of these people, nobody wants to guess. Not as the, 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 T H E. Some estimate that over 4% of the usage in English is that little word, the. So that's simple, right? Everybody, everybody think in your head, uh, definition. You give me a definition of thee. Yeah, uh, that's right. Do you know in the Oxford English Dictionary, there are 50 entries for the word thee? In the Webster's Dictionary, over 23 definitions of the word thee. Can you believe that? Sometimes the simplest things are profound. Right? The simplest things can be hard to understand or hard to apply. Today, we have, uh, as we look in the series on true forgiveness, we have the words Jesus said about forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6 12, it says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or if you learned it like I did, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. We used to pray that before all of our little league football games. So that's always the way I remember it. But that seems so simple, right? If he just stopped after forgive us our debts, we'd all get it. We all realize that we do things sometimes God doesn't want us to do, or we don't always do what God wants us to do. We understand that and we we see that. We can understand the need to confess, the the need to repent, to turn away from sin, right? But he says, as we forgive our debtors. That's what makes it complex. That's what makes it hard. I have this little book that I use over and over the 30 years of ministry I've had. It's called The Hard Sayings of Jesus, and this is one of them. What does that mean? (laughs) It's hard to understand sometimes, isn't it? We say I love the ballet or some people say that. <laughs> but I don't love the cable TV. We say I have the the flu, but we don't say I have the headache. We say winter is the coldest season. We don't say winter is coldest season. Just like we would have a hard time explaining the usage of the word thee to somebody that doesn't speak English, so it is hard for us to understand what does it mean to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What does it mean? During one period of his life, John Wesley was a missionary in the American colonies. I know this because I had Georgia history. Primarily, he worked in the state of what is now the state of Georgia. There was a general down there by the name of Oglethorpe with whom Wesley had some dealings. General Oglethorpe was a great military leader, but he had a reputation just deserved as a harsh and brutal man. One day he said to John Wesley, I never forgive. To which Wesley replied, Then, sir, I hope you never sin. Who of us have never sinned? Who of us don't need our sins forgiven so we understand forgive us our debts as we pray but as we forgive our debtors Augustine called this text a terrible petition he pointed out if you pray these words while you're harboring an unforgiving spirit you're actually asking God not to forgive you think about that for a minute if you pray forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors while refusing to forgive those who have wronged you, this prayer, which is meant to be a blessing, becomes a self-inflicted curse. In that case, you're really saying, oh God, since I've not forgiven my brother or sister, please do not forgive me. That's why Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great English preacher, said, if you pray the Lord's Prayer with an unforgiving spirit, you have virtually signed your own death warrant. So what does this hard saying mean? How do we unpack the word? I want you to focus on the word, Matthew 6, 12, and then the verses that amplify it, verses 16 and 14, but take special notice of that little word, not the in this text, but as. We've talked about forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The only part of the Lord's Prayer that's given further attention is verses, is verse 12, amplified by verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So as, what does it mean? I don't think we need to do a lot of verbal gymnastics. I think it means what it means. I think it means if we don't forgive, if we harbor an unforgiving spirit, it will have tremendous negative and detrimental uh, consequences in our life. I think it means it robs us of fellowship. It robs us of the benefits of walking with God. I think it means that God literally lets us set the standard as we interact with others. When people aggrieve us when people hurt us we set the standard in how we respond to them we set the standard and God follows that standard now God gave for all of us the example we pray forgive us our debts because we know we can't forgive ourselves there has to be an external means and the Bible tells us the gospel tells us that Jesus is that means of forgiveness it's by faith in Jesus that we can be saved, we can have our sins forgiven, so it is outside of ourselves, not something we can do for ourselves. Forgive us, yes, we have it modeled for us, but the way we interact with others, this verse says, as we forgive, we will be forgiven. We established a pattern, God follows through in that pattern in his dealings with us. You know, I don't think this verse is saying and it's not talking about eternal realities. I think we can understand that we can be and are saved by faith, not by our works. But I think what this does very, in a very real way mean is that we cannot possibly walk closely with God if we refuse to forgive. That we can be unforgiven as Christians in the sense that we choose to walk in a way that's not like God it's very important for us to understand that that our interactions with others they have eternal consequences you can be a son or a daughter but not have a close relationship or relationship at all with one of your parents right it doesn't change the fact that you're a son or daughter that's salvation but. You can have no relationship whatsoever. There can be estrangement, right? If there's not uh, forgiveness, if there's not uh, a close walking and fellowship with one another, communication with one another. So as we look at this word, as we need to get, that if we choose not to forgive, it has a great impact on the quality of life that we have. It has a great impact on the way that we approach every day, so I want, it leads me to two questions. I I want to do something today I hardly ever do. In your bulletin, there is a insert, and I want you to take this. The reason I think and did this is it's so important what I'm going to talk about. These two questions that follow, as I think about forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, you take this. And I want you to, to fill in the blanks. I, I suggest maybe you laminate it so you can keep it. If you're not in a place right now where you're having a struggle with forgiveness, trust me, interactions with people are messy. There will be hurt at some point. Somebody will do something that causes you grief. Somebody will do something that wrongs you. You will need this in the future because the need for forgiveness is very much a part of the human condition. Take it and laminate it. Now, several of you have told me, I was talking so fast last week, you were trying to take notes and you didn't get it all. You know, I've worked hard on that growing up down south to speed up my talk so people didn't lose me because I was, you know, how y'all do doing? Uh, uh, this is what I'm trying to say. I used to sound like Forrest Gump at one time. As uh, hard as that is to believe. But I will try to go slow as I unpack these lists. The two questions are this. The first one is how or what happens when we refuse to forgive. What happens? I've been talking about negative consequences. What happens? What is this state of unforgiveness, an unforgiven Christian that I'm talking about? If we don't choose to forgive others, then how does God interact with us? The first thing I would tell you is our fellowship with the Father is blocked. Now, for those of you in small groups, that are following the sermon questions, you're going to talk about each of these tonight. For others of you, I want you to take this list and ponder it and think about it. Every one of the things I'm going to say is backed up by Scripture. Maybe for an exercise this week, you can find the Scriptures that back this up. But our fellowship with the Father is blocked. That is, if you think of it like a channel, there's a dam across it of mud or silt. Or uh, there's a a cork in the, the passageway for the liquid to pour out it it blocks when we when we harbor a spirit of of resentment we harbor anger uh, we harbor bitterness it it keeps us from walking enjoying fellowship with god why is that i'll I'll tell you more as i unpack number two the holy spirit's grieved holy spirit's grieved when we refuse to forgive god gives us when we come to him in uh, confession and repentance, when we come to him and have faith in Jesus Christ, as we're baptized into him, he gives us two things. He gives us the forgiveness of our sins, and he gives us the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is meant for us uh, to to let him lead our lives. The Bible says for us to be spirit-led, for us to be spirit-filled. So if we choose not to forgive, we're putting the Spirit in the back seat. The Spirit is not going to lead us, the Spirit's not going to fill us to be unforgiving. You can't have it both ways. If we are unforgiving, we're really saying, Holy Spirit, I know you're inside of me, but back back there. I got the right to be angry. I got the right to be wronged. And the Holy Spirit's grieved. The Bible tells us do not grieve the Holy Spirit. If we're unforgiving, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Third, your prayers will not be answered. Just like your fellowship is blocked up, so also your prayers, your prayer life is going to have this huge shadow over it. Uh, Your prayers are, uh, because you have that anger and bitterness, that unforgiveness, it's going to cause a block in your prayer life. Fourth, God leaves you alone because you're not in fellowship with him, you're not walking with him. He leaves you alone to face the problems of life in your own power. If you shut off the Holy Spirit, you can't have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you choose to do things your way, if you choose to handle things with your power in human or secular wisdom, then, then God's not going to, he's a gentleman, he's not going to intervene, he's not going to override your decision. Fifth, the devil gains a foothold through your bitterness. The devil gains a foothold. The Bible says, do not be angry for that gives the devil a foothold. And if we're unforgiving, it comes with those qualities, doesn't it? As we talked about last week, anger and bitterness and resentment that we hold on to. Six. You force God to become your enemy. You force God to become your enemy. He can't be for you if you don't allow him to work in you. You know, the the challenge of becoming a disciple is to seek to be like Jesus. God has always been about, from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation, he's always been about reconciliation. He's always been about redemption. God never did the aggrieving but people from Adam on chose in their free will to do the things they wanted to do or the, not to do the things God wanted them to do. The Bible calls that sin. They chose to break that fellowship, to put a, a chasm between their relationship with God and themselves. God gave Jesus so that we could have that bridge across the chasm. But listen, if we choose the way of unforgiveness, we can't have that closeness of reconciliation that God wants us to have, He's not going to to impose Himself on us. Seventh, you lose the blessing of God on your life. You lose the blessing of God on your life. As I've talked about the fruit of the Spirit, God wants to bless us with having a peace that passes understanding. God wants to bless us with having a love. For even those, as we talked about last week, even those who are enemies, blessing those who persecute us. God wants to bring that ability to let go of the past. Remember last week we defined forgiveness as being able to let go of the past with walking with God. If you can't forgive, those blessings can't be unleashed. They can't be unlocked in your life. Eighth, you waste time. Nursing a wounded spirit. You waste time nursing a wounded spirit. You know, I think of the times in my life I've been unforgiving. I was thinking about a minute ago, I, I didn't even share this with the first service, so y'all getting a bonus. I, in uh, the 11th grade, got hurt playing football. And, you know, I'd <clears throat> I was looking forward to baseball and wrestling that season because I'd been able, fortunate enough to play varsity all three sports when I was a sophomore. So I got hurt, was in the hospital for two weeks. Long story short, I was healed up a bit by the time I got the baseball season, but I was a catcher. I was on the varsity when I was in 10th grade as a catcher, but because of this brain injury, I wasn't able to play catcher for tryouts for junior year. And so I tried out as a outfielder, and you know, I wasn't the same quality of player as an outfielder as I was as a catcher, and the coach cut me. I was coming back from an injury, coach cuts me. Quite a few years, that was sticking right here. How dare he cut somebody who, not by fault of their own, had to change positions? (laughs) There's a lot of wasted time holding on to that. A lot of wasted energy. You waste time. Time is precious. We only have so much of it. The longer you hold on and be unforgiving, the more time you waste. Time that can be used for loving life. Time that could be used for loving and enjoying people. Ninth, you become enslaved to the people you hate. <laughs> they really become your master's. They probably have forgotten about whatever it is. In many cases, they did to hurt you, but, but you're letting them be your master. And tenth, you become like the people you refuse to forgive. Instead of walking in godliness, instead of living and acting with another person like Jesus would, you act like the enemy. You act like a person who's not godly. Instead of living up and pulling people up to a higher standard, you wallow down there in the mud with them, seeking the fleshly way instead of the spiritual way. All of that kind of depressing. I don't think any of us want that list of 10 to be true of our life, do we? So how can we know when we have truly forgiven? That's the second question, the more important question. I had that question asked me several times this week. And I know if several of you ask me, email, text, whatever, uh, in person, then I know that was on the mind of many of you. How can we know we've truly forgiven? How can we see we're making progress in this this, uh, process of forgiveness? First, we can face what they did and forgive them anyway. Not rationalize it. Not somehow excuse it. That when people do wrong things to us, We need to understand and call it what it is. But we can face it and forgive them anyway. We can, even though it was wrong, we can move past it. We begin to let go of it. Secondly, we don't keep bringing it up to them. Boy, that's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard when you you have a, a negative discussion with somebody that's hurt you in the past. It's so hard not to bring that stuff up again. But if we move through the process of forgiveness, if we've truly forgiven somebody... We cannot go there. And I will tell you, a little hint, it's never a good thing in conflict resolution to bring up the past anyway. Whoever's right, whoever's wrong. Usually it's a little of both, right? But don't keep bringing up the past. Third, if we've truly forgiven somebody, we don't talk about it to others. We don't air that business with others. And remember again, forgiveness is letting go of the past, moving as and living as Christ would want us to live. fourth, we show mercy instead of judgment. We show mercy instead of judgment, which is is what God does. God is the God of grace. He's the God of mercy, of loving kindness, the Old Testament tells us. The New Testament shows it to us that Jesus, by his grace... Gave himself up for us. And so, if being a disciple is somebody who puts Jesus first in every area of our life, it means that when somebody has wronged us, somebody has hurt us, we can show mercy instead of judgment. More about that next week as we examine the the relationship between judgment or lack of judgment and forgiveness. Fifth, you refuse to speak evil of others. If we are moving in that process to truly forgiving someone, we refuse to speak the evil of them. It's kind of like, don't talk about it, but, but we don't run them down. Even if we think we have means and the right to do it. Six, we choose not to dwell on it. Martin Luther said, one of my favorite sayings about temptation, Martin Luther said, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. What he means is you can control what you think about, what you dwell on. You can control what thoughts you have over and over in your head. You can choose to think on the word. You can choose to think on the promises of God. You can choose to think about what's positive or you can choose to think about what's negative. You can choose to think about what, who's hurt you and what they've done to you. You can choose to hold on to it and dwell in it. If you're moving in that process of true forgiveness, you, you can choose not to dwell on it. You you have success in not dwelling on it. You have success in moving past it. Seventh, pray for them. If we are truly forgiving someone, we can pray for them. And not just pray for them to be convicted. Not just pray for them to receive their judgment from God. Not just pray for them, for God to bring his wrath upon them. We can pray for their their reconciliation with God. We can pray for their forgiveness from God, for their coming close to God, for the building of faith in their lives. Eighth, we we ask God to bless them. Remember last week I told you Jesus says that to us. We need to, to grow to the point where we can love our enemies, where we can bless those who persecute us. In true forgiveness, if we can not only pray for them, but ask God to bless them. We're moving, and we're emulating Christ. We're looking like Christ. We're acting like Christ. Ninth, if we are truly forgiving, we do not rejoice at their calamities. I like that old-fashioned word, calamity. What it means is when something bad happens to somebody that's hurt us, we don't say, got what you deserve. Serves you right. Instead, we grieve, even for those who have grieved us. And last, help you help them when you can. If you've truly forgiven someone, you help them when you can. You know, I've hurt people in my life. I think of one person in particular. When that person does those things to me, it has had such a powerful impact in my life to see somebody truly forgive me you know you might be where I have been you might be saying I can't forgive this or this person I just can't that is not true you won't forgive but you can if you understand the gravity of your sin and you understand that through the grace and mercy and sacrifice of Jesus you've been forgiven and set free from that sin. If you can embrace that, then you can learn to forgive others. I can learn to forgive others. You might say, well, you don't know what my wife or my husband have done to me. You don't know what my father or mother did to me. You don't know. I don't know. But I do know this sin is sin, and hurt is hurt. And God, forgives each one of us for the things we've done then it is possible for us to forgive others no matter what they've done to us. Don't make excuses. Understand it is possible. The question is will we? Let me give you two truths as we wind up today and we'll keep up talking about this in the next couple of weeks as we work through this process together. First You're never more like Jesus than when you forgive those who've hurt you. You're never more like him than when you can forgive those, you can truly forgive those who've hurt you. And that is a a goal worthy of our aspiration. That's a goal worthy of seeking. What a powerful witness it is. If we can learn and we can achieve this This process of true forgiveness where we can truly forgive somebody that's hurt us. (laughs) Jesus is pleased. Jesus, we are a great witness for him. A second, you'll never fully enter into your freedom in Christ until you practice the freedom of forgiveness. How does anger feel as you live with it day by day? How does bitterness resonate? How does it affect your attitude every day? How does resentment stick down right here in your craw. God wants to set us free of all of that. You see, the, the thing is, as I said before, if we've not forgiven someone, they become our master. It, it, they really win if we hold on to that anger and that bitterness, that resentment. But God wants to set us free. God wants to release us We have to be willing to be willing. came across a letter that I want to share with you. It's written by an alcoholic, but it has a lot of of, of illustration of what I've been talking about today. I want you to listen carefully as I read it. And by the way, that's just one temptation that we struggle with, that alcoholic, uh, but I, I think we cope with our anger and our unforgiveness in a lot of different ways we we often choose negative behaviors that that don't help us as we cope as we deal with that that anger and that bitterness so he writes forgiveness is an act of the will a choice that i make each time someone hurts me that choice also has nothing to do with my feelings whether or not i want to forgive whether i feel like forgiving Most alcoholics slash addicts have a very hard time with this, and it has been proven in hundreds of clinical tests that most of us with this problem, the problem of alcoholism, have resentment at the core of our drinking. I would say most of the coping behaviors have resentment, unforgiven griefs of the past at the core, the motivation of that behavior. A case in point, when I joined AA, I discovered I had a fierce resentment against my ex-wife. As my sponsor used to say, boy, she's living rent-free in your head. One of the other pearls that he cast before this swine was that having a resentment is like drinking poison and praying for the other guy to die. The logic of that stupidity finally rang home with me. I guess prior to that, the cheese had slipped off my cracker, but good. The great danger was that if I did not forgive her, I could not be released from this prison and I might drink again. Christ ordered us to do this. If you keep my commands, you are my disciples, then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. This promise is conditional. It doesn't apply to me if I don't keep his commands, period. The solution my sponsor gave me was this. I was told to pray for her every day and every time during every day that I thought of her for 90 days and to report to him every day what I'd learned from this exercise. I discovered that somewhere between the 30th and 60th days, the resentment left me and for the most part has been gone ever since. When I think of her now, it's mostly in gratitude for the good years and kids we had together and to remember how my own irresponsibility in drinking led to the demise of that relationship. Those were my own bad choices." Since then, the Lord has restored what the locust had eaten, and then some. When the ugly specter of previous resentment returns, I have to pray for her again. Works every time. Listen, it works every time, even though sometimes I have to pray for the willingness to be willing. You might be thinking from last week and this week, I just don't know if I can get there. I'm asking you to start with the willingness to be willing. And you notice what he said? As he prayed for her, he began to, to understand and own his own weakness, his own culpability, his own sinfulness. As we realize and own our sinfulness, we understand how much a blessing God's given to us to forgive us. And then we understand how much of a blessing it can be for us to forgive somebody else, truly. The willingness to be willing. I wonder today if you'll try. You'll try to not say I can't forgive. I wonder if you will try day by day to win each day in forgiving those people or persons who have hurt you. I wonder if you'll let God, as you pray to him, forgive me, God. You'll help, ask him to help me, God, to forgive those who have trespassed against me. We can do it. We can. Out of the same mouth comes praises and curses. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and rebuke. Out of the same mouth comes words that separate or words that unite. Out of the same mouth, and the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the same mouth and from the same heart come words of bitterness and anger or words of forgiveness, words of destruction are words of healing. Which will it be? Father, as we think about these things, this is a hard word. It is so hard to give up the right to be hurt, the right to be uh, feel wrong, the right to be aggrieved. But what damage it does to us to hold on to those hurts, to hold on to that anger, to hold on to that hatred, to hold on to that resentment. Lord, well, I pray that you'll help us in this, this these few weeks of thinking about forgiveness. You'll help us to be willing to be willing. You'll help us to win every day. You'll help us to move forward. To help us let go of the past. To Help us to enjoy your blessings. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This